Prologue of the Wheat Princess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Celine Major. The Wheat Princess by Jean Webster. Prologue. If you leave the city by the Porta Maggiore and take the Via Prinestina, which leads into the Sabine Hills, at some thirty-six kilometers distance from Rome, you will pass on your left a grey-walled village climbing up the hillside. This is Palestrina, the old Roman Prineste, and a short distance beyond, also on the left, you will find branching off from the straight Roman highway a steep mountain road, which, if you stick to it long enough, will take you, after many windings, to Castel Madama and Tivoli. Several kilometers along this road you will see shooting up from a bare crag above you a little stone hamlet crowned by the ruins of a medieval fortress. The town, Castel Vivalanti, was built in the days when a stronghold was more to be thought of than a water supply, and its people, from habit or love, or perhaps sheer necessity, have lived on there ever since, going down in the morning to their work in the plain and toiling up at night to their homes on the hill so steep is its site that the doorway of one house looks down on the roof of the house below and its narrow stone streets are in reality flights of stairs the only approach is from the front by a road which winds and unwinds like a serpent and leads at last to the porta della luna through which all the traffic enters the town the gate is ornamented with the crest of the vivalanti a phoenix rising out of the flame supported by a heavy machicolated top from which in the old days stones and burning oil might be dropped upon the heads of the unwelcome guests the town is a picturesque little affair it would be hard to find a place more so in the sabine villages it is very very poor in the march of the centuries it has fallen out of step and been left far behind to look at it one would scarcely dream that on the clear days the walls and towers of modern rome are in sight on the horizon but in its time castel vivalanti was not insignificant this little hamlet has entertained history within its walls it has bodily outfaced robber barons and papal troops it has been besieged and conquered and alas betrayed and that by its own prince twice has it been raised to the ground and twice rebuilt in one way or another though it has weathered the centuries and it stands to-day grey and forlorn clustering about the walls of its donjon and keep castel vivalanti as in the middle ages still gives the title to a roman prince the house of vivalanti was powerful in its day and the princes may often be met with not always to their credit in the history of the papal states they were oftener at war than at peace with the holy see and there is a story of one pope who spent four weary months watching the view from a very small window in vivalanti's donjon but in spite of their unholy quarrels they were at times devout enough and twice a cardinal's hat has been worn in the family the house of late years has dwindled somewhat both in fortune and importance but nevertheless vivalanti is a name which is still spoken with respect among the old nobles of rome the lower slopes of the hill on which the village stands are well wooded and green with stone pines and cypresses olive orchards and vineyards here the princes built their villas when the wars with the popes were safely at an end and they could risk coming down from their stronghold on the mountain the old villa was built about a mile below the town and the gardens were laid out in terraces and parterres along the slope of the hill 
it has long been in ruin but its foundations still stand and the plan of the gardens may easily be traced you will see the entrance at the left of the road a massive stone gateway topped with moss-covered urns and a double row of cone-shaped cypresses bordering a once stately avenue now grown over with weeds if you pause for a moment and you cannot help doing so you will see between the portals at the end of the avenue some crumbling arches and even if your eyes are good the fountain itself any contadino that you meet on the road will tell you the story of the old villa vivalanti and the bad prince who was by the grace of god murdered two centuries ago he will tell you a story not uncommon in italy of storehouses bursting with grain while the peasants were starving and of how one moonlight night as the prince was strolling on the terrace contentedly pondering his wickednesses of the day a peasant from his own village up on the mountain creeping behind him quiet as a cat stabbed him in the back and dropped his body in the fountain he will tell you how the light from the burning villa was seen as far as rocca di papa in the alban hills and he will add with a laugh and a shrug that some people say when the moon is full the old prince comes back and sits on the edge of the fountain and thinks of his sins but that for himself he thinks it an old woman's tale whereupon he will cast a quick glance over his shoulder at the dark shadow of the cypresses and covertly cross himself as he wishes you a you cannot wonder that the young prince two centuries ago did not build his new villa on the side of the old for even had he like the brave contadino cared nothing for ghosts still it was scarcely a hollowed spot and lovers would not care to stroll by the fountain so it happens that you must travel some distance further along the same road before you reach the gates of the new villa built anno domini sixteen ninety three in the pontificate of his holiness innocent the twelfth here you will find no gloomy cypresses the approach is bordered by spreading plain trees the villa itself is a rambling affair and though slightly time-worn is still decidedly imposing with its various wings its balconies and loggia and marble terrace the new villa for such one must call it faces west and north on the west it looks down over olive orchards and vineyards to the roman campagna with the dome of st peter's a white speck in the distance and beyond it to a narrow shining ribbon of sea on the north it looks up to the sabine mountains with the height of seracte rising like an island on the horizon for the rest it is surrounded by laurel and ilex groves with long shady walks and leafy arbors with fountains and cascades and broken statues all laid out in the stately formality of the seventeenth century but the trees are no longer so carefully trimmed as they were a century ago the sun rarely shines in these green alleys and the nightingales sing all day through every season but especially in the springtime the garden borders are glowing with colour hedges of roses oleanders and golden laburnum scarlet pomegranate blossoms and red and white camellias marguerites and lilies and purple irises bloom together in flaming profusion and twice a year in the spring and the autumn the soft yellow walls of the villa are covered with lavender wisteria and pink climbing roses and every breeze is filled with their fragrance it is a spot in which to dream of old italy of cardinals and pages and gorgeous lackeys of gallant courtiers and beautiful ladies of romeos and juliets trailing back and forth over the marble terrace and making love under the italian moon but if there have been lovers 
as is doubtless the case there have also been haters among the vivalanti and you may read of more than one prince murdered by hands other than those of his peasants the walls of the new villa in the course of their two hundred years have looked down on their full share of tragedies and the vivalanti annals are grim reading withal and now having pursued the vivalanti so far you may possibly be disappointed to hear that the story has nothing to do with them but if you are interested in learning more of the family you can find his excellency anastasio di vivalanti the present prince and the last of the line any afternoon during the season in the casino at monte carlo he is a slight young man with a dark sallow face and many fine lines under his eyes then why you may ask if we are not concerned with the vivalanti have we lingered so long in their garden ah but the garden does concern us though the young prince may not and it is a pleasant spot you must acknowledge in which to linger the people with whom we are concerned are i hesitate to say it for fear of destroying the glamour an american family yes it is best to confess it boldly are american millionaires it is out the worst is told but why may i ask in my turn is there anything so inherently distressing in the idea of an american family of millionaires spending the summer in a seventeenth-century italian villa up in the sabine hills especially when the rightful heir prefers trente-et-un at monte carlo must they of necessity spoil the romance they are human and have their passions like the rest of us and one of them at least is young and men have called her beautiful yes in this very garden end of prologue read by celine major